This is episode 123, SLP Autism Mom, featuring Panda Speech. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria and Deb is home with her new baby. Congratulations to Deb and Mike. They just had their first baby, firstborn. It's a boy, Benjamin Barnett Racine. So Deb is enjoying motherhood, very fitting. It's the day before Mother's Day and she's using this time to bond with her baby and I'm all about that so I'm very excited for her and Mike. So for today it's just me but you know there's a strong SLP community out there so I'm not feeling lonely. I am feeling good and I think Deb will be happy to know that. So speaking of the SLP community now it is May. It is Better Speech and Hearing Month and I'm doing a very fun thing on Instagram with a bunch of prompt trained clinicians. So I'm going to put their tags and their handles rather in the show notes so no one has to pull over or stop what you're doing to write this but we're going through every letter of the alphabet from a to z and linking it with different aspects of prompt therapy and it's just very interesting and it's a lot of fun so look out for our posts which will be in the show notes And I have to speak openly about being prompt certified. And no, they're not paying me to say this. Kind of wish they were, but they don't really have to because, you know, the, what is it? The phrase, the price is in the pudding, where I have seen with my own eyes, kids make a lot of progress with using prompt therapy. And that's what hooked me. And it made a lot of sense to me. And I really like how it's focused on the motor speech and the muscles and the phonemes and which phonemes use which muscles and how we're going to incorporate that muscle movement into an activity. And it's just very fascinating to me. So I highly recommend it. And of course, you know, it is pricey, but let's say you are very interested. I would first begin with number one, our apraxia episode with Jenny Bjorum. You know, got to give us a little shout out. But she talks about her tip, which was a good tip, is to get trained in DTTC. And what does that stand for? Dynamic temporal and tactile cueing. So essentially how I like to think about DTTC, very similar to prompt. You want to give lots of opportunities to practice the target sounds. Uh, You don't want a ton of target target sounds, so about 10 targets or maybe even less. And to really think about vowels. Look at vowels and how they drive the jaw, how the tongue is moving during its vowel production. So some things to think about. So that's my little tip right there. So also, we had another episode before Jenny's. We had Rachel Madel on and we talked all about AAC and that was very motivating for me to have that little refresher about how to utilize AAC throughout your sessions. And I got very real with Rachel. I was telling her like, listen, what do you do when these kids, they just want to push this button or they're, you know, they're teacher is asking you, okay, how do I incorporate this really real and honest conversations? So this is just my reflection thus far in the podcast. So I would recommend to go back to 
that episode as well, if you haven't heard it. And uh, on Cinco de Mayo, I made tacos with my students. And I was like, hmm, how can I incorporate this device? Like, oh, let's find the word taco on the device. And then we incorporated eat taco to combine two symbols, not syllables, symbols. And then previous to that episode, we had Corinne Vargas on for talking about smart charts and she had John Matthews on as well. And I tried out smart charts because they are teaming up with us and they're giving our listeners 50% off forever. So if you go into our Instagram or I'll include the link to the show notes as well to start your subscription about with smart charts And I really liked it because you can create your goals, part of your treatment plan, and it has a drop-down menu. I am a big fan of drop-down menus like here, what goal do you want to work on with what type of prompts, how many targets, what opportunities. So I felt like the drop-down menu in smart charts was very helpful in creating goals because a lot of times we have in our head based off our assessment, okay, what do we want to work on? And then this online web-based program helps you to hone in and make a goal out of it and make it a smart goal with um, how many opportunities, what type of prompts, what sounds, and it doesn't have to be an articulation goal. There's a drop-down menu. Is it a language goal? Is it articulation? You know, what is what type of goal, what type of area of speech are we focusing on? So I highly recommend that, especially if you enjoy a good drop-down menu like I do, please check them out. So the link is in the show notes. For this episode, I want to introduce the interview. It is with Deb. So Deb is here on the podcast in spirit. Deb and Mandy Schumberg, or you may know her as Panda Speech, and Mandy held it down for us. I'm not having wine right now. I'm just had some water and some iced coffee. We all know how strongly I feel about iced coffee. I enjoyed my iced coffee this morning. But luckily, Mandy had a New Zealand Pinot Noir from Oyster Bay. I love this wine. I actually like their Sauvignon Blanc, but, you know, Mandy had the Pinot Noir. So thank you, Mandy, for, you know, staying on brand and having some wine on the podcast. But I really enjoyed this interview. Mandy talks about being an SLP, but also being a mother of a child diagnosed with autism. And, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but just how that opened up her eyes and she went through different emotions during the diagnosis and the needs that her son required and how being an SLP opened her eyes to certain things that who knows, you know, she was learning about while she was in grad school. So I don't want to give much more away, but um, thank you, Mandy, for coming on our show or Amanda to use your proper name. Thank you, Amanda, for being a guest on our show and being very open and honest and having this really vulnerable topic and talking about it so openly on the air. So really appreciate that. So shout out to Amanda. Cheers. And last but not least, I did get a listener question. So I got a question on my Instagram from a fellow SLP, and she wanted to know 
ways that she can engage her students who are nonverbal on this virtual platform. She said it's hard to get them engaged and even get good data. Well, for data, I'm going to tell you, go to Smart Charts because that's a very nice way to collect your data and, like I mentioned, a great way to create your goals. So if you're having a hard time with the engagement, I really want to ask you, what exactly are your goals? What are your targets? At this point, do you just want the student to sit and attend to the screen? Because if that's what you want them to do, then you can look at collaborate with the OT sitting postures. Are their feet touching the floor? Are they sitting at a desk? Is the screen at a good angle? And of course, it's very difficult when you're virtual because now you have to work with either the parent or whoever's assisting the child on the computer. So I invite you to have these open conversations with the parents and the OT. So that's number one, posture, sitting, sensory needs. Are those all being accounted for? Number two, I asked about if you tried green screens just to keep them engaged. Um, so there is a really great Facebook group where you can join and they, a lot of people are posting different activities that you can use for therapy. It's called Green Screen Therapy. And uh, it's hosted by PlaySpark, who funnily enough was on our podcast. So I also give the tip to listen to that episode that we just had about the green screen and how to incorporate that during your sessions. And then I, since you're telling me that the students are nonverbal, I want to ask about what is their form of communication? So do they have a core board? Do they have a device? Can you pull up some symbols on the computer and they can point um, or, you know, making a textbook, whatever the needs are, but just making sure that this student does have a form of communication because that way you can start to work on, let's say, requesting or protesting, commenting, whatever it is that you want them to do, whatever their goals are and take it from there, but make sure that they have a form of communication that is very big. So I hope that answered your question. Of course, I don't have as much details as I need to fully answer that question, but hopefully I gave this SLP something to think about and a place to start and to work with that and see what happens from there. Take it from there. So if you have certain questions that you would like me to answer on the podcast, feel free to email us, slpswineandcheese at gmail.com. Of course, DMs on Instagram also work. And uh, DMs even in my own Instagram, Maria underscore Kotz SLP. And now, without further ado, I introduce our interview with Deb and Panda speech about being an autism SLP mom. Hello and welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb and today I am joined by Amanda Schomburg. You might know her better as Panda Speech. Hi, Amanda. Hello, everybody. Um, and I meant to ask you this. So where did Panda come from? the panda speech? 
So I was obsessed with pandas as a child and my name um, also rhymes with it. So when I was little, ah. my name was Demanda Amanda Panda. Ah. So I was demanding, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Makes sense. My sister's <laughs> name is Amanda. And I remember people saying like Amanda Panda a lot. I guess that's pretty common for Amanda's. Um, right. Yeah. So today I am drinking some water. I just want to let everyone know that my doctor said that I have the perfect amount of amniotic fluid. So I want to thank the listeners for sticking with me and all my water intake. Thank you. (laughs) She's like, it's like you studied. I was like, I think I did. (laughs) That's impressive. I've never heard that before. (laughs) No, (laughs) maybe she's just, maybe she's just like, this girl likes to be complimented so maybe she tells me stuff (laughs) and she's always telling me how good I am and how she like wants to clone me and I'm like I'm just nailing this whole pregnancy thing my goodness (laughs) um so do you have anything to drink Amanda well I I drink Pinot Noir it's my Mm. thing and I'm actually trying this kind it's called from Oyster Bay New Zealand because my husband husband is half New Zealander Okay. So um, we thought we would give that a try. Very nice. Yeah. Pinot Noir it, during my drinking days is my favorite type of wine. Unless it's a hot nice. summer day, then I, then I like that very basic rosé. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I heard Pinot Noir is the best part. So basically my doctor prescribed it for me. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that's very yeah. important. So <laughs> We should definitely follow right. doctor's, doctor's orders. orders. Yeah. So yeah, make yes. sure you make sure you stay up to date on your intake. With that. <laughs> um, so today, Amanda and I are going to chat about being an autism mom and also how that's kind of like impacted your SLP career and journey. So I'm right. wondering, yes. were you were you an SLP before you were a mom? What was chicken or the egg? Which well it actually kind of I kind of hatched the egg in the middle so I uh, was not yeah (laughs) I um I I waddled across the graduation stage nine months pregnant for my bachelor's and then two months later I started grad school with a two-month-old and I was freshly divorced oh yes so single mom (laughs) two months old walking into grad school like I'm going to do this. And I did. So there you go. Well, people do hard things and that's, you just summed, that was a hard sentence. (laughs) So, wow. So you were nine months pregnant. I try to be understanding. Yes. And when my graduate students come to me and they're like, this is hard. I'm like, do you have a baby or a fresh baby by yourself? You don't? Yeah. Did you just complete a divorce with a two month old baby and then start graduate? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So the chicken and egg kind of came together with that whole process. Okay. All right. So, so, um, so essentially this kind of molded you because you spent your education and your life experience kind of like, um, happened at the same, the same time then. So, um, I'm sure that was kind of like, so you're watching development while you're learning about development. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that was a hard part for me because I'm in all these like, you know, normal development classes and then my child isn't 
having normal development. And it was, it was kind of, it was a hard time. And so of course, all of my, you know, my fellow intern, uh, graduate uh, student, you know, whatever they're called. I guess uh, like everyone in your cohort. Cohort. Yes. That's the word. Mm-hmm. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I never use that word. I think that's a new word. I don't, or maybe it's not a new it? word, okay. but I didn't, maybe. I never said that when I was studying, but I hear people say it now. Yeah. I don't remember if I did or not, but basically I would tell them, Hey, yeah. you know, my son's doing this. Do you think that's typical? And they're like, no, it's not. We just learned that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. You're like, so, but tell me yeah, again. Yeah. I'm like, I need to hear it one more time. <laughs> one more time. <laughs> yeah. but how about in this situation? Um, right. Yeah. I, that, yeah, that makes sense. Cause it's like, you're, you, you're probably thinking like, but no, or it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I understand that. So you're, so that's kind of like what your journey to diagnosis was like. Yeah. So, you know, really the thing when he was a toddler, you know, most toddlers like to be thrown up in the air, wrestled around, swung around. But anytime you did any of those things, his whole little body would stiffen and shake. Mm-hmm. And he did not, he would scream and he didn't talk. Now he was obsessed with numbers and letters and animals. So he could tell you every letter in your house and read words, but he wouldn't tell you what he wanted to eat or that, you know, what was wrong. So I knew there was speech delays and I really worked on that a lot. Um, even though the doctor wanted to do referrals, like I am in grad school, I got <laughs> this and Right. Hindsight, not a good idea. Always uh-huh. refer out. <laughs> right. Because um, you're already so, doing so much as a mom. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. And then I don't know in your grad school, um, Boardmaker gave us free trials. So I basically, my, the decor of my apartment was Boardmaker, mm-hmm. little pictures, and he would just point to everything he wanted nice. <laughs> everywhere. I mean, bathroom, cabinets, fridge. I mean, it was like, yeah, board maker threw up in my apartment, but that's how we got through, you know? And um, so at three, we got him evaluated for occupational therapy and he was diagnosed with sensory processing. And we started therapeutic course writing and OT and that was fabulous. But then the behavior started like the meltdowns, the screaming. And so at four years old, we got a behavioral psychologist involved and he helped us there. And he was officially diagnosed with Asperger's at seven. However, shortly after that, the DSM uh, changed that diagnosis. So then they changed it to autism spectrum. Okay. mm -hmm. So when did, when did he start um, being able to like self-advocate or, or tell you what he wanted? So at around three, he started talking and it's like when it, happened it was full on sentences and like adult like speech Mm -hmm. um so he went from no talking to full-on adult speech um you know which is you know i've seen that in in my practice as well Mm -hmm. um and you know you say self-advocating you know that is his biggest struggle throughout his he's a okay high schooler now that makes me want to cry saying (laughs) that but even today yeah himself you know asking for help or telling people you know, something is wrong. That that's one of the biggest struggles he still has today. But as far as, um, talking like full on, it was about three. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so then, then you mentioned that by he, by the time, but by the time he was seven is when he actually got the diagnosis and then they changed. Yeah. It 
<laughs> yeah, they called me up and I'm like, I understand I'm in that world. Yes, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. It, who, the label doesn't matter. It's how we support him. Um, but, you know, I was in denial, like a lot of parents are. They're not wanting to accept it yet. You know, so it took me a while to get there. It's really when he started school. He didn't need special education, um, but he struggled socially and sensory wise. Um, so I got him a 504 plan, which is another disability program in the public school systems. And he just needed a little bit of support and for teachers to understand why these behaviors are happening. And right. that really was like a weight off my shoulders. Cause before that was probably third or fourth grade before we got that, mm-hmm. I would have to go in and train every teacher. Oh. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. He's <laughs> going to flip out. If you do this, set him in the back of the class, don't put him in the middle. And it was stressful for me. You know, it was very right. stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. So for how long did he receive all of the related services? He did OT and horse uh, therapy till six. And then at six, that's when we started speech therapy for social skills. And we did social group. And he did that for about two years. Um, And then he had behavioral counseling on and off. Um, You know, even now, if he needs it, you know, he can still go back to it. But Mm -hmm. Right, right now he has no services. He's, he has his 504 plan in high school, but he, I mean, he is doing so well. He made varsity tennis team as a freshman. He's amazing athlete. Yes. He, and he actually uh, just made district in cross country. He can run for like miles. He can do marathons. Basically anything this child does, he learns how to be the best, which I, it's also, I have to kind of scale him back. So I'm like, dude, you can't do everything, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. That's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Yes, because he does. I mean, so my big skill, I mean, nobody knows this. This is probably the first time it's getting out there, but I am a really good like Forrest Gump style ping pong player. Oh, oh my. I don't have that. (laughs) Well, I used to go to the summer camp and I was the champion for five years straight. Like I'm good. Like Ooh. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> anyway, so he made it his mission to beat me. And now he is literally Forrest Gump. And it's, ah. it's terrifying to see how good he is. It's, he, I can beat him every once in a while now, but yeah, it was a sad day when he surpassed me. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I'm, when I was younger, I was like really good at hula hoop and I beat everyone at hula hoop. And then I hadn't done nice. it for a long time. And I entered like a hula hoop, unofficial hula hoop, just, you know, neighborhood competition, just entered it as confidently as I did. <laughs> and I think like I actually gained some curves by that point because I was a little older. And I was like, <laughs> I'm the best hula hooper there is. And I could not hula hoop. So I'm, I'm oh. a little traumatized by that. <laughs> it's like, you think yeah. you can do something forever without any, without touching it for, I don't know, three years. <laughs> then, right. Right. <laughs> like my whole body changed. I had no idea. Like I, the hula hoop <laughs> just went straight down. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but that's, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He also has the, the world record for, uh, pogo sticking, but I didn't record it because it was for like, I think it was like three and a half hours. He was outside my kitchen window and I was just like, whatever, go do that. And he, he read that the world record was less. And he goes, if you would have just recorded me, I could have been in the book. And I'm like, I'm not recording you for three hours doing a pogo stick. I'm sorry. <laughs> How would you I'm even send not. that file? I know. I just like, <laughs> <immediately> compress it. <laughs> 
so yeah he anything he does like he juggles he he does everything he's just he's an amazing kid that's amazing well congratulations on that good for him Mm -hmm. um so having a child I know that um people have said this to me all the time and I'm I'm having a baby so I don't know um yet but lots of people have said to me that like who I am as a speech therapist will change when I have my own kids. And I'm assuming that's because like you have your own and then you want like you, you want your child to be treated in a certain way. So you like kind of see every kid differently. Um, right. Not to downgrade how, cause I feel like I always look at every kid and I'm like, imagine this was my kid and I didn't even have one. Right. But um, so how has being an autism mom impacted your SLP work? Well, you know, kind of like you said, when you become a parent, you have a unique perspective. You, you know, you see a, a child in all of their developmental phases and you get to watch it firsthand. So I think that gives me an advantage because I, I, I've gone through the day to day, the routines, the, the transition meltdowns, the, you know talking to school, school meetings, driving to therapy. I've done it all. And I think it's, it's real easy for therapists to like assign all these awesome home tasks and carryover activities. And I remember my speech therapist and OTs would do that. And then I would come to the the, session and they'd be like, how did it go? And and I would just start crying. I didn't (laughs) have time. I'm so sorry. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. So like, and you're like, I didn't do my homework. That's probably right. Like don't exactly. Well, the biggest one, his social group therapist was like, I want you to have a play date. This was like kindergarten, first grade once a week with a kid from his class. Um, that was really difficult because number one, I didn't know any of the moms at this school. And number two, he didn't have friends. And number three, he was usually having meltdowns after school. He would keep it together at school all day. And when we would get home from school, it's when meltdowns would happen until bedtime. I'm like, when am I supposed to have a kid over and, you know, you know, play a board game or go play right. Land? when, right. you know? Yeah. So that was really hard for me. And so as a, as a, like a speech therapist now, I kind of have that in the back of my mind. And so I ask those questions to parents, you know, before I assign it, I'm like, yeah. would it be a possibility to have a kid over? Not try to do that every week. <laughs> right. Just the phrasing alone, just, you know, how can yes. we, how can we increase socialization? Yeah. Is this possible? Well, and another thing um, that I'm always helping, because I I do autism in-home consultations for my uh, job. So Mm -hmm. I'll go to a home and I'll talk with families about, so what do we want to do? What is the goal here? What are are our problem areas? What are the challenges? And a lot of them are transitioning and -hmm. a lot of them are behavior and discipline. And so I learned a lot as a mom because when he was little, I would never discipline him. And my husband was like, you've got to discipline him. And I was like, he's having a sensory meltdown. I can't get him in trouble, you know? And so we went to that psychologist and he said, you are not disciplining the meltdown, but you are going to discipline when he screams in your face. He has to learn. You can't scream in mommy's face. Right. So that's a huge thing. And so I learned to teach my son to ask for help. So when the light hit his eye, instead of coming and screaming and trying to hide in my clothes, he, I taught him to say, mommy, help, mommy, help, or my eyes hurt you know? And right. so that's something I help with families because a lot of parents were just like me. They didn't know what to do. They didn't right. want to get their child in trouble for a meltdown. But right. I told them, you don't have to be screamed at or hit or kicked. So that's right. a huge area that I think is, 
helpful for the, the families I work with. And then adapting to change, you know, as we all know, kids with autism, they thrive on those routines, those schedules. But if you never tweak them, they don't adapt to unexpected things that are coming at us at all times. So I teach parents, hey, yeah, that routine is working, but let's tweak it just a tiny bit and help them adapt. That way, when new things come at them, they can learn to adjust. Right. And this is not something that people would just think of on their own, it, even right. though it sounds it sounds quite simple. And many people are probably like, this is the routine. The routine works. Uh, right. <laughs> so they wouldn't even think to deviate. But you're right. You know, they have to be adaptable. Absolutely. You know, my son, he I have three boys. So I also had two neurotypical children that I'm trying to give love and attention to. Because right. a lot of times kids, are, you know, kids with needs get the most attention and not purposely. So I had to I was managing all of that. Well, so his little brother was supposed to, you know, when they were little brush his teeth first and then and then my son would go next. And uh, one day it wasn't working out and he melted down. It's my turn to brush teeth. It's my turn. You know, so I purposely switched their schedule and said, next week, you're going first. He's going second. And he learned, I tweaked it, just little things like that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the importance of Velcro. You know, you can just pull that little item off and do a little switcheroo. That's fine. (laughs) absolutely yes oh I had those things everywhere you know and even today he has one last visual and it's a picture of an old spice and it says not an option and it's in his mirror right now oh (laughs) so he has one visual left wait so not an option to use or not an option to not use not use yeah not an option to because he would forget it so I'm like this is not an option to you know to forget basically yeah I just didn't know if you hated that scent you know, we need oh. to make another choice. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I put him in all the bathrooms because his brothers forget too. It's not just yeah, him. It's, I mean, it's just I'm a like, boy teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My husband, I am like, here's deodorant. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's, just the thing it's an amazing that, thing. <laughs> product that people should use daily. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that I, I mean, maybe I, I can use that visual. Anyone could use visuals in their, yes. in their life. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it, I suppose, I, I mean, like, so being an autism mom has definitely made you more empathetic to the, the daily struggles and, and trying to like make more realistic therapy goals. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, And I always tell parents, you know, I think I had the most success with any of the therapies when I was able to communicate with the therapist regularly about the struggles we were having, because then they could help my child in, um, you know, the speech therapist could address it. Hey, your mom told me this happened at school, or I heard this happened at recess. Let's talk about it. Or as counselors. So I always encourage parents, reach out to the therapist, send them a quick email. What happened at, you know, recess today? Mm -hmm. You know, the thing like, my son used to say, oh, the popular kids uh, played with me today. And I said, cool. What did they do? He goes, well, they played basketball. When the ball rolled away, I went and got it. And I'm like, honey, they're not being your friend. They're being mean to you. And he was like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you so mean? I would send that to his counselor. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why don't you all talk about this today? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So those, it's really important, especially, you know, if you can do it in that same week when it's fresh in their minds. So that was another huge thing. Um, is that communication between your therapists. Yeah. 
And this could sound overwhelming to somebody listening who's like, I have 75 people on my caseload. Um, uh, so yeah, that could be difficult, but at the same time, um, it's just reflecting on, you know, these are things that happened in people's actual life. Like what does playing actually look like and, and how conducive is the, is the child's home life to your homework carryover plans? So Right. Yeah. Ensuring that individualization. So do you have any tips or tricks? These are things that can be easily applied to today or tomorrow with little or no prep. It could be life or therapy just for the listeners to, to try. Yes. So, you know, since we're talking about all this, like, you know, structure and scheduling, I use this system called the lightning bolt system. And I use it with my son and all of my children at my school. Um, Basically, I teach them lightning bolt. It kind of comes out of nowhere and it's kind of scary and it shocks your system. Right. But then it goes away and everything goes back to normal. So when they have a schedule change or when there's something unexpected, I have a symbol of a lightning bolt and I put it on their schedule and say, hey, ah. lightning bolt unexpected. So they know something unexpected is coming and they can you know, start learning to deal with it a little bit better. So I actually have a free uh, download for the lightning bolt symbol and, the, and explains it on my blog um, at pandaspeech.com. So it, in a free visual schedule example. So if you're looking for that, but it has done wonders for my child. So each one of his teachers every year got a lightning bolt symbol said, Hey, when you have a field trip, make sure you show my son this. If there's an assembly, show him this. I promise things will go a lot smoother. And they usually did. So yeah, that's great. That's such a great idea. And I love the, I love the, um, analogy that you have that corresponds with it. Yeah. Cause it's like shocking, but then goes away. Yes. Right. Yeah. mm -hmm. And then before we wrap up, do you have any um, quotes we like to leave the listeners with? Any sort of mantra that gets you through your day to day? Well, you know, I would say, you know, from everything we talked about, if you just remember, there are there is no cookie cutter treatment to autism. Treatment mm-hmm. is fluid and ever changing with the child. As a mom, please know that 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 is the most important thing as a therapist to remember. Um, you have to be flexible and work with the family. And, uh, so yeah, I'd say that don't, don't try to cookie cutter people with these, with, um, when you're dealing with autism, because it's each child is so unique, their strengths, their struggles. Right. And then also their family is unique and everything too. So, so you just have uniqueness all the way. That's why we need everything. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to go get that free download and visual schedule and lightning bolt from your blog. So thank you so much, Amanda. Absolutely. And then let the listeners know where they can find you, contact you. You've got such a great Instagram feed. Yeah. So it's just at Panda Speech with one word. And my blog is pandaspeech.com. It's kind of easy to remember. Just think of a panda. uh, And then are all of your products on your website or do you have like a TPT as well? Yeah, I, 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 all the free downloads you can find on my website, but I primarily sell my products on Teachers Pay Teachers just because it's, it's so much easier than trying to sell on my own website at this point. But Uh eventually that's, I hope to have my own website store, but right now it's mostly on Teachers Pay Teachers. Okay, great. So everyone go check that out. 
And that's our show, everyone. Thank you so very much for listening and for your continued support. Bye.